welcome to the 15-minute juice, where we discuss physical therapy, rehabilitation, return to sport after injury, training, and all things fitness, while also answering burning daily questions, broach the juiciest weekly topics, and educate the masses on the proper algorithm for optimizing their lifestyle. It's fast, it's concise, it's informative, it's juicy. Buy Optimizers Masszymes, 100% plant-based, naturally derived, best digestive enzyme blend out there right now. Highly concentrated with enzymes that digest proteins, starches, sugars, fibers, and fats. Helps to relieve indigestion, gas, bloating, and fatigue after meals. Take it with the meals to enhance the digestion and nutrient absorption. Also helps to improve recovery after hard exercise and hard efforts. So go to buyoptimizers.com and use code JUICY for 10% off. Okay, welcome to another episode of the 15-Minute Juice. Mike, we have on two fantastic guys, uh, colleagues of ours, um, friends of yours. Mike Q, we'll call him, and we got Rob Rabina as the strength coach down there at the uh, the PTW clinic. I'm not 100% sure the location. We'll get these guys to give all the information on that. But, you know, once again, I'm home for a week trying to get in as, as much as I can, and uh, we're just lining up one podcast after the other. And um, so I want to w- welcome these guys on and uh, appreciate your time. I know you guys are busy, so thank you for your time. Yeah, no, thanks for having us. Thank you, yeah. Mike, I want you to get this thing started. I know we're kind of talking a little bit. We have two PTs and two strength coaches here now. And so this is the the multidiscipline that we're talking about. As as, as Also, you know, I have in the surgeon. But this is the piece that I feel and you feel is where the magic is happening, right? Taking them from a, a, a good physical therapy type program and bridging them out of that program into advanced type of strength training and, you know, performance from there. So kind of ask some questions here, Mike, ask these guys. Yeah. So I wanted to bring these two on because they're the only other, um, well, Q's only running the only other facility that I really know of that's doing something very similar to what, what we're doing, um, you know, when uh, he made the jump to do that, you know, uh, we were in a lot of conversations of obviously me trying to get into doing the same thing. So Q's definitely been an inspiration to do that. And he's kind of building out a model to show how this hybrid works. And obviously when Joe, you know, you and I met, we were talking about that. And it's cool to see other facilities um, that are starting to do the same thing because that's that's really the direction we're going uh, in the profession, um, we have to start thinking outside the box because what is what's going on traditionally is not working, uh, you know. And there's a reason in terms of you know even patient outcomes and expectations, but also what you know insurance companies think. Uh, there's also you know a reason why insurance companies don't cover for strength conditioning programs. But you know if you listen to what's going on around the world, there's actually uh, primary care physicians over you know in in uh, Canada that are um, prescribing strength conditioning programs. You know, I think I listened to that on the Whoop podcast. They were talking about that. So they're actually writing prescriptions for that stuff now. So, you know, it, it raises a question as to, okay, when you take someone through physical therapy and 
they get to, you know, these, these goals and they, and, and everything is achieved. All right. Now what, where do they go? Oh, well, I have a gym membership and I do that. Okay. But what are you doing at the gym membership or what's going on there? Or who is the person working with you to make sure you're doing the right thing? So having these hybrid facilities that, you know, we have here and what, you know, Q and Rob are building there of, of the PT working closely with a strength coach and a post PT type program to transition that level of care to build off of the foundation we've established in PT is becoming more and more critical because otherwise people fall off the mark and they're, and they're not, you know, doing what they need to be doing. There's no accountability. And then even if you're looking at the sports performance stuff we're doing, who is getting these athletes back onto the field into the sport insurance companies aren't paying for it. So who's doing that? And then, you know, that's a, a large lane for a PT to fill. Even if you are a PT that has all these, certification stuff that's a really large gap to try to do pt and then performance and strength conditioning i mean it's a lot i mean my, my my head is spinning from just the programming i'm doing for all the kids in here for pt side so to be able to do that for another end of the spectrum i think would be just really you know your head would explode so that's why you're seeing a lot of these multiple disciplines so that's why i'm, I'm you know i'm going to give the floor here to uh you know q and rob to kind of talk about what they're building uh and, and similarities and what they're doing in their facility yeah, so yeah, thanks, Mike. Um, I'll I'll start with yeah. you know some of the foundational stuff, but I think oh, we've done... to the mic just a little bit so we could yeah. Uh... yeah, can you hear me now? Is that a little bit better? Yeah, I will hear you a little bit in there. All right, all right. So yeah. is, that, is that good now? Good. Yeah. All right. So so what we've done that's a little bit different than your average facility is that we took the sports performance side of things and we've added it to physical therapy. And so the concept is is that there's a continuum of care. Uh, regardless of uh, the person's an athlete in high school or college or at the next level in the pros, or if it's, you know, weekend warrior, or if it's, you know, your dad, my dad, my mom, like it's anybody, right? It's anyone who wants to get in shape and take care of themselves, get fit. And what's unique about it is it's, it's all under one roof and I can literally walk three feet and I'm with Rob. Like I, he's across, like we're not even, we're in this under the same roof. So there's no, we're not in different rooms. We're in the same room all day. So the communication is, is key. And we all say that we can text and email and stuff, but to walk over to Rob in real time and say, Hey, I, I'm kind of curious. What are you seeing when, when this kid does that move yep. or when, you know, this person does a split squad or what have you, I think, you know, it's, it's important to be able to communicate and collab. Um, but the, the model is all about communication, working together, continuum of care, I don't, I don't care if someone's going to go to the gym afterwards because they have a gym membership at Lifetime Fitness. I don't care. I, you still need to know what to do in the gym. So right. that's what we have here. So we offer, you know, different models. It's different than it's been before, Rob. Rob's an all-star. Rob's the best I've seen. Um, it's not even close. He assesses like we do, Mike. Like he does a full-blown one-hour assessment, looks at range of motion, stealing your thunder, but um, yeah, I mean, like it's thorough. We work together and it's a continuum of care to the gym. You're going to get to the gym. I want you with Rob for a month, two months, three months. Learn, learn what to do in the gym. Learn your body, learn, learn how your body moves, not just with activation and neuromuscular, you know, you know, re-ed, but with lifting, with strengthening, with, you know, like when you like building your back and your arms and all that, you know, like get them to understand how everything works and what to do and then you know and then they can go off on their own you know so it's a true bridge program or you can stay with rob we have kids that have been with rob 10 years 
So like that, that there's nothing wrong with that too. So it's um it's a little bit of everything. Yeah, I um I think that this space, I agree with what you guys are saying, is definitely like the future of training and physical therapy. You're gonna see, you know, combo facilities where you know people are coming in, whether they're hurt, healthy, or in between. Uh, we can service that person. And at the end of the day, we just want to get people get, you know, we just want to get people better. So if we can provide them with a, you know, great service and give them what they need and what they want, and we identify that in our initial assessment, and we provide a good culture and setting where, you know, they feel comfortable to work out and, and train hard and, you know, people are going to enjoy coming in. At the end of the day, that's kind of, that's kind of what I want. So, um, you know, this setting allows me to, uh, to do that and i'm excited to be here yeah i mean i would say like that was the big thing with mike and i when we first started doing this he was in a separate clinic and i was here and we just kept saying how the we would see the vision of, of what this would look like and once it happened it became easier for us to speak with the parent because then the parent could literally be sitting in the other room and looking through the hallway to see the next level, right? So they're they're envisioning in it now, right? They walk in the door, they see the turf, they see all the training. It's not physical therapy and like traditional, like music playing real soft in the background. Like this is like, you're coming in here and this is performance training, performance therapy, like, you know? Uh, and, and so when we were able to do that, I'm going to actually stand up real quick for so we're going to do that. We're doing this on YouTube as well. So the people that are listening on like anchor and things can't really see it. But if you're on YouTube, I'm just going to go through the room. I showed these guys earlier and this kind of, this is, this is a 10,000 square foot facility. This is my training area here. I'll just kind of go around just quickly this way. You can see, you know, boxes and, and everything really kind of sits on the perimeter more than anything. And we leave the, the middle space open and then right through this space, is the physical therapy, right? And we got Mike in the back. You know, we have our quick board here. He has the Alter G. There's tables. And then you go out onto the floor and there's a whole strength training area, right? So why would you not, as an athlete, right? Now, we're not talking like some of the lights are out, but then you have, you know, the turf space over here. But as a, as a recovering athlete, why wouldn't you want something like that Compared to sitting in, you know, a, a room again where the where the energy level is not very high, um, there there isn't the proper, you know, like I see people saying, oh yeah, we, we do return to play here, and they have three kettlebells and not one of them's over twenty five pounds. There's nothing around that even shows me that they're able to use certain things that are even providing objective data whether their their athlete is ready or not. And how are you saying that's return to play? You come in here, this looks like that. I'm sure your facility looks very similar to that. You know, that's what we're trying to get at. We're talking about athletes that are trying to get back to higher level sports. Yeah, no, well said, coach. I think um, I think what's what we have a very similar setup. It's not 10,000 square feet. We got 4,000, a couple eval rooms. And, uh, you know, we got squat racks, dumbbells, turf ball on one side. You have cubbies uh, in between, and not all the way in between, but halfway in between. There's open space in the very front of the building. You got all the tables against the wall on the other side, like Mike does. Um, and so, like, it's literally, it's maybe, what, like, 
50, 40 feet across the space. Um, so like we're able to communicate, no problem. They all intermingled, all the strength conditioning and the strengthening is all in the same place. Yep. So, you know, it's very similar setup. I think what's most important, I think what you're getting at here is, in a, especially for active individuals and especially even more so athletes, you want to put them in an environment where they don't feel broken, right? I've yes. had injuries. We've all had injuries here. The training room is not a fun place to be in, right? Like I want to be out on the turf with, with my, you know, with my, my brothers, you know? So I think what's important is that, you know, we understand the psychology of these kids and what they're going through and that they can, you know, feel like they're in a gym environment with, you know, people their own age and, and feel comfortable, right? Uh, and push. So um, I think that's really important to mention as well. Mike, you there? Yeah, I mean, as you can see, the facility out there is quiet now because this isn't, this is not a gym where people are just coming in now. It's not like an LA fitness. It's not a Globo gym. There's not, you know, um, you know, any forms of chaos going on. Everybody who comes in is either um, under supervised programming, one-on-one -on -one training, or a pod, a group class, or, you know, there's adult classes that go through. So there are times where people will come in and they'll be like, you know, the facility is dead. And I said, well, there's no one scheduled right now. You know, it's it's periods of time where people are, are that's what they're paying for. They're paying for the ability to use, you know, the facility in an organized way, in a programmed way. It's not just a free-for-all. There are some members that come in that are independent and they use it and they do stuff on their own or some athletes come in and they know their programming and they're doing stuff off of their design program. They're very focused. You know, a lot of college athletes will do that. Um, but, you know, that's what we're talking about, too, because some people get the idea, well, you know, if I'm a PT, let me just go open up in an LA fitness. And, you know, it doesn't really work like that. This isn't this isn't just being in the environment. It's it's the intimacy of the relationship that that we're, we're working on here. And, and that's something that I think you know, society ha has to learn to to understand because, you know, you get some people saying and they come in and they say, well, you know, this could be intimidating. And, and I said, well, what's really intimidating about it? I mean, this is human performance. This is this is fitness. This is function. And, you know, th this also even stems up into the you know older population. I have a lot of 60, 70 year olds in here who want to be active and they want to do stuff. And no one has ever taught them how to lift from the floor properly, how yeah. to get up and out of a chair properly, how to just step to the side. I mean, it's just uh, incredible. And they wonder why their backs are so tight and their backs are stiff. No one ever taught them how to move, you know, and they go to these other facilities and yeah, they sit on the stem and the heat and all this other stuff. And I'm like, okay, so that's one part of the program. If that's something you're going to be doing as a clinician, but how are you teaching them to understand how to control their bodies in the positions that they're compromised? And nobody's doing that. So they're not taking the time to do it, or they're not setting them up in these facilities and these places that are going to teach them how to do that. And there's nothing intimidating about a gym when you're working on, on performance. The human body is meant to, meant to do these things, you know, um, it, it's meant to do these physical tasks. And how are you going to be intimidated by picking up some weights off the ground, you know, with other people around you focus on the same goals, but you know, you're not going to be intimidated by going in the heat in the middle of July and doing gardening. I, I mean, it just, it just doesn't equate. So again, you know, the, uh, there's such a gap between the knowledge there and, and we have to fill that in by, by showing the type of stuff that we're doing. And that's again, why I want to do this episode. And yesterday we did bring on Dr. Dodson onto an episode and he explained the importance of having that physical therapist strength, you know, training, um, continuum and that that team base because there are these you know there has to be a delineation of care and when things get passed off in the next phase and progress and the teams of what we're trying to build here is really important we just have to get more people to understand that you know this is this is going to be the future of how things are done
Hey guys, what are you what are you seeing as far as your ACL population? Are you guys busy with that? Is that a is that a big injury that you're seeing in your facility? Is it what what are you what are you typically seeing a lot of? Um, yeah, I mean, we have two ACLs right now. No, we we have we have like six right now. Two of which are with you. Two of which are with me, and four still early. In the um, and you know, with that population, like I want them exercising as soon as possible. And I'm only, you know, yeah, we're doing upper body stuff, right? But at least they're they're exercising. They're in the gym. They're sweating. They're working hard. You know, they're building muscle. Um, they feel like an athlete again, you know, so all of those benefits, like I want, you know, that population to be exercising as soon as possible. And obviously like when we can start to integrate, we'll start to integrate and we'll start to do, you know, general strengthening stuff. When the athlete is prepared to do that, we'll start to do plyometrics when the athlete is prepared to do that. But, you know, like, like said earlier, uh, you know, communication is key working together and you know you walk into this facility you don't know who's doing physical therapy you don't know who's lifting weights yep. that's yep. the beauty of this yep. and that's why it's successful yeah that's why it works and you know specifically for that population uh you can have two great minds work together for the betterment of the athlete you know they're they're gonna return quicker return better and you know have hopefully perform at a higher level and boy, I'll tell you, it makes it, you know, because I've come from both sides of this, because again, the, the, the basis of the, the business that I created was to, to align with all the physical therapists that were having their, their athletes or clients being discharged from there. And then I'd pick it up and, and bridge that program. But there was a lot of gaps, right? There was a lot of non-communication with the athletic trainer or the physical therapist. And, and, I couldn't figure this out. And this is where things happened with Mike and I. I was having a, a physical therapist that was literally wanting and, and was okay with having a conversation at 8.30 or 9.30 or even 10 o'clock at night to discuss patients and how we can move them forward. That wasn't happening anywhere else, right? And so that was where the real like, light bulb went off and went like, this isn't just a normal physical therapist. You know, This is someone who really cares about their patient base, you know, and, and, and they want to make sure that they're getting better and they want to make sure that he's communicating the right way. Just like you guys, you know, we're up and down the hallway. We can say, hey, Mike, I have a question about this. Hey, Joe, like, what do you think about this? It makes it so much more seamless in, in that return to play, like you were saying, Rob, and, it, and it's, it's the, for the betterment of the athlete. Yeah. Now I'll add this to it. Um, so we have a couple uh, ACLs right now that will do PT first, right? They come in, they come in for PT, you know, probably about 45 minutes altogether. They get a little bit of hands-on. Uh, then I'll go through some like activation motor control work. And then for one individual right now, she's about, uh, actually Dotson did, did this one, um, did her ACL. She is 14 weeks, 14 weeks post-op, almost 15 weeks. We're doing light plyos, we're running on the Ultra G, and then she's, she's over with Rob. Yep. So like I did what yep. I had to do. I oversaw the, the pliers where I can be like one-on-one -on -one with her. Yep. Rob had maybe five or six clients, you know, in at that time. She then transitions over there and he's doing lower body work with her now. Before it was, that was, she, he was, she was only doing upper body. Right. So now we have like a full transition where now she's doing lower body strengthening, 
Uh, um, and we collab on that. And then in addition, she's still doing the upper body stuff. She's doing more explosive work, keeping her feet on the ground. So, you know, we're able to use what we're good at and transition the athlete over to sports performance or, or you know, performance therapy, if you want to call it that. It's, yep. it's, uh, it's unique. It's special. I'll mention this. I'll add this real quick. You mentioned the phone calls at 9, 9.30, 10 o'clock at night. I think you asked 90% of outpatient PTs, especially right out of school, what they what they want to work with or who they want to work with, and they would tell you athletes. Yep. And I would say that sounds sexy. That's great. Except yeah. athletes are a pain in the butt to work with for a lot of reasons. Yep. And I think you know one of the biggest ones, aside from the complications of compensations and the assessments and identifying what the true you know issues are, we could talk for hours about that, but... I think the, the, the communication that has to happen, you know, you know, under the same roof is what makes the difference, in my opinion. And, yep. and me staying late and then having conversation or hopping on a call at nine o'clock or hopping on a call at seven in the morning because that's the only available time the strength coach has and, and you have. But yep. that's not fun. And a lot of yep. people don't want to get on calls at that time. Yep. And they're avoiding the communication. So yep. I will say, you know, you want you want to work with the, 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 the sexy patient, right? Like the, the, the athlete. Right. I mean, it, not easy right be prepared for that be prepared that you know it's yeah. it's that's exactly what takes up a lot of my time you know my documentation takes me longer because this isn't just some flimsy bs note and i make that really clear you know to the parents and the kids let them know i'm up to like past 11 because i'm the most nice because i'm coming home and i'm going through a program like you have you know there's a plan for each day you come in here this isn't just a routine you don't just come in and get on the table and do a routine there's plenty of facilities. If you want to go do that, go ahead. I could send you to plenty of places, but it's not happening here. There's a plan. There's a build out. And then with all the new technology we're using here, there's analysis of what, what does this mean? So I, you know, just do some sensor wearable technology. We're using the quick board. We have pieces in here that are giving us feedback as to where you are. Now I have to analyze that and, and, and you basically build out what type of program you're going to be doing. And then what are you doing at home and what is missing? And then, you know, that was the next thing I was going to lead in to ask on how you guys you know, work with those challenges on basically getting, you know, um, people to fill in the gaps of like doing a home exercise program, because Joe and I have found that a lot of the biggest thing is time, you know, especially, you know, you get the adults that, you know, have their excuses and stuff. So we get that, but some of the kids, it's just between the time they're done with school and homework and everything else, how much time do they have at home to practice things? And then what does that look like? You know, we're not talking about hours of homework of exercises, but what are these like, maybe even 20 minute target things that they could be doing at home and make sure that they're filling in the gas between their therapy sessions to get that practice in. And then obviously continuing with that when they're, when they're done with their rehab process, we're finding that that's a big challenge because we're building out these programs. We're trying to keep them on pace, but what are they doing when they're not in here? Cause there's only yeah. so much you can accomplish with the sessions in the facility. So I think this is where you have to understand logistics and real life scenarios specifically with like high school athletes, like they're up at six. And if they, if it's in season for them, they don't get home till six, yep. seven yep. o'clock at night. Oh, and they have to do homework and eat, and eat some food. Right. Oh, and we all hop on sleep. They got to get to bed early. Yep. yep. Why are they working out? How are they working out? Are they driving 30 minutes to come see you to work out? Probably not. Right. We want to see them. But right. Real life scenarios, logistics are in the way, and you have to understand that. And you know, the client athlete needs to know that it's okay for them to work out at home 
for 15 to 20 minutes or right after school while they're waiting for the bus or, you know, whatever, you know, explain what in-season training looks like, the problems, the roadblocks that, that they're going to run into so that they're prepared to handle them physically and mentally. And if you prepare them with that and say, hey, like, I'm going to write you an in-season workout program to do at home, at school, at a local gym. And the workout's going to be anywhere from zero to three days a week. Right. I say zero because, hey, some weeks you're going to have three games. You're going to have finals. And, yeah, you're not going to want to work out that week. And that's okay. Some weeks you're going to get two and Some weeks you're going to get three. And that's just managing the in-season athlete and preparing them for, for the demands of what they have ahead of them. Yeah, I mean, I think you nailed it, Rob, with that. I, I think that's why we have, from like a business side of things, but we have to have different models or different programs that we can roll out. We have a remote, we have a one time a week, we have a hybrid, we have, a, you know, an unlimited. I, we don't do the two time and three time a week models, right? We don't, we don't do that. We do unlimited. You can do the one time, the hybrid or the remote. And we have a lot of athletes at our home during winter break that have just gone back that are now doing remote. Yeah, you know, because they, you know they feel comfortable with Rob's programming, and and they have exercises from me. I have one in particular that just went back to school. I three to four exercises. I'm like that's it, man. And we're talking like more mobility, activation, neuromuscular, you know, reeducation, whatever you want to call it. That's the focus, and that's more of something that they can do periodically throughout the day or prior to a workout as a warm up. But they got Rob's program. They don't. I don't need to. You know, they don't need to get stronger from what I'm giving them. Right. So, so, you know, you mentioned home exercise program, which is classic PT talk. I want three to four exercises, even four is probably too much. And that's it. You know, that's all they need. Something that they can do frequently throughout the day, not overloading tissue. It all depends on how often they're seeing you, too. If they see you once right. a week, they're going to have to load tissue more often. throughout. Right, the day. right. Uh, one time a week ain't going to cut it. So, you know, it all depends on that, the individual, the loading that they're doing with, you know, in season, out of season. Are they playing other sports? and practicing other sports, you know, they playing on for one team and practicing for another. So, you know, you got to manage all that. You got to communicate with parents. So there's a lot of variables that go into that, Mike. But uh, that's why we prepare for it, right? We got home exercise programs we can send out. You have remote programming, hybrid programming. So, um, yeah, more, it's more options, but they're finite, right? You got three for each one. That's it. All right. Yeah, I think I think that that is probably one of the biggest uphill battles we're going to be dealing with with this epidemic of these youth and adolescent injuries. You know, um, again, when you have orthopedic surgeons speaking about doing 600 ACLs a year and talking about the percentage of those that are obviously non-contact and in that, you know, a teenage population. I mean, it's just alarming. So, you know, when you see how heavy it hits a teenager to have this type of injury or you see how you know heavy it takes a toll on the parents you look at, well, what can we do to, to prevent this from, from happening, you know? And uh, I think the biggest battle, too, is because it's the culture that the organized sports are putting on the kids now. You know, the all ideal conversation would be to be able to talk to the coaches and, and having them carve out time and practices to work on foundational stuff. Yeah. But a lot of them, at least of what we're seeing, are running three-hour practices of literally the same thing over and over. It's overkill. Then they have tournaments, and the next day they're practicing – there's no discussion about rest and recovery. So it's diminishing returns. And I, and I don't even really need to speak about it because the presentation of these kids will tell you 14 year old girls going home and lying on Advil and taking heat. I mean, you shouldn't be able to be doing that if they're playing a sport. And then like, what is the cutoff? Like when have we reached the max effort and the max output 
of, of what it what it is for that drill and that skill for that day. When do we move on to the next thing? All right, you guys did this drill plenty of times. We did the teamwork stuff. Now we got to focus on other stuff. It's kind of like what John Shackleton for men's Villanova basketball says. He says you fill yeah. in the buckets. Yeah. And a lot of the, the organized sports that we're dealing with and these teams and clubs, the buckets are just overflowing and there's so many empty buckets around. So I don't know how much of a che- of, of a impact will make with a lot on you know the coaching aspect but i think in what we're doing in our facilities it's like what you said kind of being right to the point as to like how direct can we get to them you know if we provide them certain things to do at home like you said it's 20 minutes of stuff i mean i could write 20 minutes for these kids to do and i mean their ass is going to get kicked because you see what they're like in here i mean if you're targeted and you're monitoring your rest breaks and you're focusing on your form and technique I mean, two sets of 10, some of these kids are shaking. I'm not even talking without without BFR because I've never done it before. You know, so sometimes just that neuromuscular control of just doing these foundational things, or even like Rob said, in-season training, I'm doing all sports specific. Let me just focus a little bit on some of this foundational stuff that I'm not doing enough of. You know, and you even see that up at the pro level. Are the pros keeping up, you know, some of those things to offset all the demands of the sport? So I, I think that's, you know, what it comes down to is as we build this out, what, what is that going to look like and what strategies are going to use to help them be effective so they can, you know, be healthy and, and prevent the re-injuries. I, yeah, I got I got something to add, and I wanna, I'll hand off to Rob because I, I want to get his take on something too. You mentioned overuse and specialization. We see it all the time. Um, we can sit here and we can complain about it and call parents crazy and coaches crazy and all so, so we're, we're tired of doing that. So we're going to meet with an athletic director of a local high school uh, next week. Uh, we're meeting with the, the, the president of a local um, organization that for travel for travel baseball, um, see how we can help them out. And these are all just meetings that we can, you know, we have a head baseball coach a couple weeks ago. We did a screening for a local high school for basketball. We, we put through the, a performance assessment. We did a range of motion assessment. Um, offer them interventions for each of their deficits, almost like a modified FMS. So, like, we can do things. We can sit here and complain, or and you know, and stay in our bubble, or we can reach out and we can try. Right. Out. And right. That's what, you know, that to me, like, that's like that's real stuff. Like, that's why we like we can make money doing other stuff, guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what, why are we really doing this? And and you know, the, the podcast, is, your ass podcast, is great, but like, we need to get out and we need to reach. Yep. You know. You know, yep. we and we and we we use this really as that that platform to help us get out there, right? Clearly, um, but you're right. I mean, it's this is what Mike and I have said. If we get we got to be proactive. We have to intercept these parents prior to the injury, so that they go into God forbid their their son or daughter gets hurt, they go into the um, the meeting with the surgeon and they have questions and they can say, Hey, listen. You know, and and boom, boom, boom. Ask this, not feel uncomfortable asking questions while they're in physical therapy. You know, not over the top, like crazy parent type of stuff, but just knowledge and education behind that. And and that's why we do this. And we just, you know, we we take these and we and we pass them on to every parent that we can. We send them out to you know the local sports teams, and and hopefully they're passing it out to the parents. So, you know, they can listen and hear this. That's why we really, you know, we were going with the podcast and we were doing an hour, an hour and a half. We're not, people aren't going to spend the time doing that, right? 15, 20, even 30 minutes is good. You're getting a lot of information. And, and that's why, you know, over the last few days, you could see all the people that we're starting to bring on. We're really trying to make this round table and, and bring on forward thinking, physical therapists, strength coaches, surgeons, 
and people that have this technology that are wanting to, you know, to get these athletes better, but bring this to the masses, bring this. I mean, I'm blown away by going on some of these pages and our Facebook page of how, how misinformed these parents and these athletes really are. It's just, because there's just no standard to it, and that's what makes things more difficult. And that's and that's really the purpose of what this podcast is. Is this is education? I mean, this is stuff that we're having these discussions, and we get this in front because it's like that's the one of the barriers there. And like you said, Q, because we've tried that, we've tried reaching out to athletic directors, and you know what I get? Well, we have partnerships with X uh, companies, so I'm going to see if they do these type of things. And I'm like, the light bulbs should come on there. If you need to ask the company that you're partnering with, they do it. They're not doing it. And then, like we said, parents don't know what to look for when it comes to therapy. We've actually pulled a, a handful of, of more than a handful out of other facilities because they've sent Joe videos or they told them what they were doing. And it was a nightmare what was going on. And the parents didn't know any better. They said, we thought this, this was supposed to be going on. Yeah. And I was like, wow, you're lucky your, your daughter didn't re-injure themselves in the therapy clinic because they're in the wrong places. So it's directing to show what expectations are, encouraging parents to ask questions. What's the therapy look like for my son and daughter, or even an active adult? What's the therapy gonna look like for me? And not be stuck in some of these facilities where they're just going around through the routine and just doing the same thing. Or, I mean, we could talk forever on, on the stories. I mean, it's almost laughable sometimes. And then when they see the night and day difference, now they know what the expectation is. You yeah. know, And now they understand what, true doctor of physical therapy is what true strength and conditioning coaching is and how that algorithm works together, you know? So when there's that barrier of, you know, the partnerships and stuff, well, okay, well, but what does that mean? What does that partnership entail? Is it, if someone gets injured, well, you just automatically go to that company or is there actually something that's involved? Like you said, Q, are there screenings? Are there talks? Are there seminars? Are there things that we're providing, you know, for that team specifically? And a, a lot of the times it's not, it's just, oh, your kid gets injured. Well, go to this company because we use them, but there's no communication between that company and the coaching or anything, you know, and it's just, it's just shooting them through a door in a facility, you know? Yeah. So I, I wanted to, um, I'm going to tee up Rob. Uh, so Rob worked at a, Rob Rubino worked at a uh, facility that was primarily um, baseball uh, skill training. Uh, so pitching, hitting, uh, fielding, et cetera, as well as strength conditioning, which is the service that Rob provided. He was a director of uh, of that organization's strength conditioning program. And uh, so saw a lot of baseball players. And and even here, we have it, you know, a dozen or so, you know, college pro, you know, all the way up, uh, international uh, athletes in here and baseball players in particular. So, I mean, around here, baseball is the most, like, in my opinion, over like specialization, um, you know, like playing way too much baseball throughout the year uh, happens, especially here in Newtown Square, but in Delaware yep. County and Philly in general. So I guess I'm going to ask a question to Rob. You guys don't mind. Um, I'm going to my own podcast mode. I'm curious, what strategies do you, have you used to address any, like, any of these challenges that we're talking about? Um, and then and how can others try and, you know, adopt or implement some of those strategies for you? So I think, First and foremost, it definitely starts with, you know, building good rapport with your clientele and getting them to trust you, right? Because what you're going to tell them, they're probably not going to like. Yeah. And that includes, hey, uh, understanding how many baseball teams you're playing on or you know, travel basketball teams or whatever the sport is, right? 
understanding that the stressors that you're putting on your body is probably too much and you need to need to back off on some of that. Mm -hmm. And I hate telling kids to stop playing the sports that they like, but if it if it's comes to a tipping point and he keeps getting hurt, he or she keeps getting hurt, you know, there has to something has to change. Yep. Right. So it starts with just like educating parents and players on on understanding the stressors of the sport. All right. And then secondly, understanding the importance of you know developing your team of people. Your team of people can be your strength coach, your trainer, your rehab professional, your nutritionist, your doctor, whatever, right? Have a team of people around you, you know, your skill coach that you trust that is in your corner to help you succeed and reach your goals. And once you have that, uh, then you can each, you know, communicate effectively together, stay in your lane, but you, each of us know a lot about each other's lanes, but we stay in our lane, yep. right? And, um, you know, get the athlete doing the right things at the right time of the year. And if you do that, they're more than likely going to be successful, stay healthy, and perform at a high level. And, you know, over my time, that's usually what I've seen is successful for a lot of kids and, and getting them on the right track. You there, Mikey? Yeah. You have something to say? Uh, yeah, I mean, this, yeah, this, is, mm -hmm. this is all the good stuff. You know, it needs – you know, these, these are the type of conversations that more people need to hear. So yep. again, it's, it's setting the tone. And again, that's the purpose of these podcasts. And, you know, we want to continue to do multiple episodes like this of bringing on, you know, um, you know, same guests again, to talk about different topics and different things. Because yeah. I would like to get into like real specific things and like even some caseload things, obviously keeping names out of there that, that, you know, the four of us are, are seeing and we can really, you know, maybe help another person who is going through something similar to that, you know, but again, this is exactly what this is for is, is to be able to bring you guys on. We, you know, we appreciate and value the time that, that you have for us. So we want to be able to get you guys back on. We even get into some, you know, like we talked about even more specific topics of how this, how this can go, but this is something that is going to continue to grow. Not even, not just through Ivy, but you know, the sports rehab and the Ivy, uh, the, you know, the partnership, well, we, we, I don't know if we can say partnership, but, you know, just that the, the collaboration that we have going on right now and, and, you know, where that's going to lead to in the future. I mean, this is, to me, this type of facility, the type of facility that them guys are running there, that's what you're going to be seeing is if it's not the future, it's that's, that's, you know, again, I'm down in Tampa and I was telling these guys before we came on that we have two orthopedic surgeons that that uh, that own the facility, and inside is about nine thousand square feet, and there's um, physical therapy inside of there. So they got one extra step there, right? They had the surgeons that are literally seeing these kids post-op, and then sending them down the hallway to Mike, right? And then when they're done with Mike, they're sending them to Joe, you know, and, and then they're back out into the performance therapy. So it's that's really the the multidiscipline that I I really truly see. It's the only way to to make sure or ensure that these kids are at least, you know, at a better chance of, of not having these retairs and, and, and just getting the better knowledge. Right. The, the more knowledge, the, 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 the better and the more power you're going to have, you know. So, um, guys, again, I, we went way past what we thought we were going to. But again, we say it we say it's 15 minutes. But you know what? If we're if we're going and we're flowing and we're juicing. You know, then we, we, we got to keep it. We got to keep it going. So, but again, um, thank you guys again for your time. And we will we'll have you back on very soon. Thanks, guys. Take care. Mike, see you All soon. Right, guys.